The opinions and views expressed in this video are purely for entertainment purposes and not for investment advice. Good afternoon, YouTubers. Welcome back to another episode of Jack of All Trades. I'm here, as always, with Kaylin and Sam. Uh, guys, what are we talking about today? Uh, I think we're just going to go over some general market conditions, you know, how to how to navigate between bull and bear markets and, you know, what are what are different trading styles, what we kind of noticed in our particular plays and setups, uh, how to change your risk levels and targets and stuff like that, and just kind of a few things to be aware of. So cover some really broad stuff because, I mean, you know, this is right now we're recording this, the beginning of 2021. We've been in a pretty aggressive bull market for about a year now, and I think a lot of new traders are probably, you know, going to be really needing some some good education if things kind of turn around so it's uh it's definitely a different world that's why you know the market's always adapting you always got to keep learning so we'll just kind of go through some information on that what we've seen in our our years doing this yeah i think uh, new tra traders lately have been experiencing different emotions with the way the stock market's been doing yeah i know it's tricky i was actually listening to a podcast the other day i was, was i thought it was funny the guy said he he started trading in a bull market he made $20,000 his first year ever trading, you know, telling his whole family how easy it was and how he was making so much money. It took him seven years after that to become profitable again. He said he just consistently lost money for seven years and then he finally got it and started making money and did it full time. <laughs> oh, geez. I guess yeah. it was a working job, eh? Yeah, yeah. He was like, like, he was working for himself and everything, but I just, I just found that so fascinating. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I just, Everything was just going up. So I just, you know, see something that was moving on a lot of volume and breaking out and I just buy it and it kind of just kept working. And then <laughs> so it took me seven years to actually figure out how to trade. Yeah, that's so. the thing about bull markets. It, make, it, it, it makes sense to you at first if you're just starting out and you're trading in a bull market. It's like the, the old adage of like buy low, sell high. Like, yeah, you could do that in a bull market because it's like it always goes up when you sell yeah. it. Off. You know, it always balanced, but like what happens when it starts moving sideways is like it's not buy low so high anymore, right? Yeah. yeah, that's when I think a lot of the more detailed stuff comes in. Like you'll obviously be able to touch on the investing side. Um, I'll touch kind of more on like the trading side of things, like the shorter term stuff. But it's uh, there's, a, there's a lot more little things that, are, you know, you kind of come to head and you got to be aware of. Like if you're doing if you're doing stuff in, you know, a sideways market, I mean, a lot more factors I find like just on my type of trading kind of come into play. Um, you know, you can get away with a lot less if you're just in like a really aggressive bull market and obviously be more careful on the short side and stuff like that. But, you know, if everybody's buying and everybody's in it, like just again, in the types of, in the types of trades that I do, the shorter term stuff, I mean, a lot of the stuff really just kind of goes out the window and it just becomes a, it just becomes a, where's everybody looking? What's the most volume and it's going to move. So like, uh, we were talking about this, uh, randomly a few days ago, like, what were, what would you, what would your strategy be if you, if we started like, say. Uh, going into a, like a sideways market where stocks are trading in a in a in a in a range because you like to like you know short pull, uh, breakouts right yeah yeah so like like shorting like shorting spikes is kind of like my my you know that's like my bread and butter setup um I do longs and stuff like I, I did longs for a really long time but it's um like I just like just for me personally I just like you know it takes it takes a lot more time to find the plays and they're, they're a little bit slower and like I just like the really quick you know in and out get my money and go home kind of thing um but uh yeah like for for the sideways markets and stuff like that you know really like anytime the market shifts with my particular trades it always takes me like i'll first thing i do is like i'll size way down um sometimes i won't even trade for a few days and like really get a feel for it because generally like what i find is is my patterns are still the same like they still play out the same the entries and exits 
I shouldn't say the entries and exits, but the, you know, the, the points of interest are, are still pretty similar. Um, the biggest difference really is like the amount of volume on everything is, is, is usually less if, than if you're in a big, if you're in a big bull market, if it's, you know, a, a bear market or a sideways market. Um, but uh, the reason that I'll size down is, you know, I, I like to give it like a week or two just to really kind of get a feel for it because I, 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 I really focus on like, you know, one specific niche. Um, so I know what I know and like those are the only patterns that I really play. So it's, it's, it, comes, it comes apparent to me really quickly if things change. So all I need to do is, you know, watch that for a few days and then I'll say, okay, you know, like if I'm shorting, for example, you know, usually depending on the handful of indicators I use, you know, usually it kind of hits, let's just say the $8 line or whatever, for example, on a stock. Like, you know, it, it'll open at seven and it runs up to $8 and then I'll short it, and, you know, make my make my couple bucks or whatever. Um, but lately I've been seeing, you know, it, it kind of the spike kind of happens a little bit later. And now maybe usually it's only kind of going to like 760 or 770. It's not going all the way up to $8, for example. So in that case, that's something where because in a bull market, for example, you know, I'd be used to putting full size right around that line. Um, so like recently what i've been doing is I, I keep my orders really tight so like um i won't have i won't have like a very big spread on where i'm entering a position because again if you're shorting parabolic moves i mean you're not, you know you're not just going to pick the top perfectly right you got to kind of start sizing in slowly and ideally you just you weight your orders higher towards the top of the spike um based on your risk so if i'm seeing something that's you know really consistent in a bull market where it's like okay you know it hits my line it crashes it hits my line it crashes every single time then I can just put full size, you know, within a couple cents right around that area. And uh, that'll give me a really good average. Like I can be super comfortable with risk. I can go a lot bigger on the trade, um, which is why bull markets are really good for short sellers as well. A lot of people don't think that they think, oh, you know, everything's selling off. That's great. You know, shorts are probably all over this. Well, no, that's not true because in order to have a good short, you need something to run way up. Right. And if it's a if it's a bear market, nothing's running. So it's it's really not that great for either side of the play, which a lot of people don't realize. Um, but like the way that I would adapt on those, like those parabolic moves, for example, is instead of, you know, if I'm seeing them kind of fall short a few times, then usually what I'll do is I'm really not looking to make as much money because it's just not it's just not realistic to do that. So I'll size down, like, let's say, you know, I want I want 2000 shares on this short. Like maybe I'll do, you know, like 500, 500, 500, 500, all really tight right around that main level in a bull market. Well, now, you know, maybe I'm only going to do like 1500 shares or something like that. And I'll split them into a whole bunch of different orders of, you know, 250 because I know I'm going to be half to, I'm going to have to start a lot lower, right? Because I, I'm not going to get as good an average if it's not coming all the way up to where I want it to. And I got to also realize that if it does come all the way up to where I want it to, I am going to have a lower average. So to have a similar risk level, I don't want the 2000 shares that I usually have. Now I probably only want, you know, maybe 1500 or 1200 or something like that. So um, it's just, it's really just a matter of, you know, you, you got to be smart and you got to not be greedy. And uh, you know, if, if, if I see stuff that's, that's not going to those major, major levels, then I still don't want to size full size, you know, way below that because there is always that outlier where, you know, it could just run right into that. And then it could just blow right through that. So if, if all of a sudden my average is, you know, 20, 30 cents lower than where it would normally be, and then it blows through my line, now all of a sudden my my loss is, you know, three, four times what it should have been just because I'm I'm being greedy and I'm trying to I'm trying to make the same kind of gains in, in a really, really good market, like a really good bull market that I am in a bear market or a sideways market. 
Um, so th like those are some of the main things that I'll, I'll look at in my shorts. And then for, for longs, it's usually, um, the only difference that I really look for in longs is like, I just, I like stuff that's even lower float. Like I like low float stuff for longs anyways, like almost like, you know, micro float, like less than 10 million kind of thing. Um, just because they, they can move so aggressively and they squeeze shorts really good when they do start going. Cause it's such like, you know, you can, you can trade the, trade the float really quick and float rotation is basically if, if all the shares in the stock have traded, then they call that float rotation. So if it's, you know, let's say it's a 2 million, a 2 million float stock and it trades 2 million shares then the floats rotated. And then if it trades 4 million, it's rotated twice. So if you're seeing float rotation, especially pre-market, that's a huge, huge indicator that it's going to be a really good long play. Um, just because, I mean, the shorts just, you know, they have a really hard time winning in that kind of a situation. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of, I'll lean my focus on the long side, even more so towards lower float stocks, um, you know, more so than I usually would. And then even still, I'll set my targets, like the entries are the same. Um, I'm still looking for the same patterns on both the short side and the long side. Um, I'll just set my targets a little bit more conservatively, the same thing, right? So on the long side, um, just because of the particular plays that I do play, uh, usually I can get in with the same amount of size. Um, shorts, I, I lower my size a little bit just because I am shorting like parabolic moves. So if I'm trying to get on on a big range, it's it's really tricky to get full size if it's not pushing all the way up into that main level that I want. But if it's um, if it's a long play, usually I'm looking for a break of a key level, you know, like just like a break to new highs or like, you know, it's been under VWAP all day and then it, it reclaims, you know, something like that where where my risk level is always going to be the same because I'm not shorting, you know, I'm not, I'm not dip buying. Cause I, I frankly, I'm terrible at dip buying. So I just don't do it. <laughs> so I'm not doing those where I'm trying to size in on the way down or something like that. Like I, like my entries on, on long plays are always like rated a, a break of a key level. So for those, I can get the same size, but I will set my targets much more conservatively. So um, I might still try and hold on to a small piece. Like, Again, I always size out of my position. So, you know, if I'm getting into a play, just to throw some numbers around, if I'm if I'm getting into a play at say three dollars a share, um, you know, maybe maybe I'm looking at you know three thirty, three forty, three fifty to sell out of my position in thirds. Then in you know a sideways market or a bear market, maybe I'll look at you know three twenty, three thirty, three forty, three fifty, and I'll sell out in quarters. Or I'll you know maybe I'll take two thirds of the position off at at 3:30, and then I'll just take the last like really small chunks at the higher end. So I'm still I'm still hoping it'll get to the same targets, but I'm usually taking off my size a little bit more conservatively because on the long side I'm looking for plays that 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 really run way up. So I like to just you know take a take a chunk of money and then I'll just leave you know 20% of my original position on there, and then I'm comfortable. I've already locked in some profits, and I can just let that you know, run as far as it's going to. And then if it comes back down, I'm still okay because I can, I can just sell it for a loss if to, or sorry for, um, you know, a small profit if the, if the trend breaks on me. Um, so the longs, it sounds like you're still kind of gunning for like five to 15%. Yeah. Yeah. My, my long plays I usually look are usually higher percentage winners. Um, I don't play them as often because my, like, I don't, I, I have really, really like really specific setups that I like for longs and, Usually I'll like, I'll, I'll see one, like maybe like once a week or once, you know, once every two weeks kind of thing. So it's not something that I'm, that I'm actively like searching for all the time, but, uh, the ones that I do like, I, I do want to see those like big, like, you know, I'm looking for like four or five, six to one kind of, 
risk reward ratios on those. So, um, and that's still that's still the same kind of thing in in bear markets and in in sideways markets. But again, you know, that's one of the things where I look at the float. So if it's if it's a really big bull market, let's say you know the float for for argument's sake is thirty million shares. Then if it's a big bull market, you know, maybe on this stock for this particular setup, I'm looking at my target and I'm thinking I'm going to make you know five to one on this play. Well, if it's if it's a bear market or if it's a sideways market, I'm looking at the same setup, 30 million shares now. Um, I don't know what the best way to describe it is, but like 30 million shares almost feels like it's 80 million shares. Like it, the way it trades, it, it feels it feels heavier um, unless it just has like incredible volume. So I, I would I would kind of treat that a little bit differently. Right. Like like just the way that the way that I kind of it's like a little bit of intuition, I guess, which is, you know, it's kind of kind of hard to explain. But um the way that i'll trade those is i, I just try and I, I just try and basically shoot a little bit more conservatively and i play them as i would if i was playing say an 80 million float stock in, in a in a, um in a really big bull market is the same way i trade you know maybe a 30 or 40 million stock in a bear market kind of thing interesting i actually i got a quick question uh you showed me um this guy that you, you're following uh Kedis, whatever and, yeah. and i was looking at his chart of the crazy tesla trade that he did yeah and i i really some of like the the shorts well his orders are executed in like such crazy speed and like price to within like short distance of price between each other like yeah. how does that work do you guys have like a button and it just sell or because you can't be like entering the numbers manually right and it's just no yeah so he, he like i i listened to a couple of interviews with him he has like he has uh he, he trades mostly with hotkeys and stuff so you can set up, um, I don't know if you probably don't have like you wouldn't need any for investing or anything like that, but um, you can set up hotkeys for pretty much anything. Like you can set up hotkeys that are, you know, buy at the current ask 100 shares, you know, um, close a quarter of the position, close half the position, you know, stop loss at this level. Like, you know, you, you can you can set you can set um, hotkeys for pretty much anything. Um, the only one that I have is a hotkey that's, it's, you know, it's like my, my holy shit handle. It's the, <laughs> it's closed position and cancel all orders. <laughs> so that's okay. the one where, that's the one where if it goes against me, I can just hit it really quick. And if I have any open orders, it'll cancel them and it'll just, it'll just close my position at market. So for your entries or exits, it's still, you're still manually putting in the, like the amount, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was gonna say, because it looks like for him, it looks like he's only looking at the price action, and as soon as he he sees like, okay, I need to sell here, he's not even putting the number; he's just clicking it. Yeah, so like he he might have something set where he's got like, you know, like you could do like shift one, shift two, shift three, shift four, you know, for like one thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand shares, whatever. So he might just be sitting there. Like again, I don't know how he actually trades, but like guys do do this, where you can just sit there and you know it can just be like a, a like a limit on the ask for for sells or whatever and a limit on the buy for your buys and he might just sit there and you know watch the thing happen and just you know just like click click click, click like just hit a bunch of buttons really quick and it'll just fill them you know like he might just double hit one and it just fills him two thousand shares and then he just sees like within you know a second he sees a snap down and then he just double clicks again to fill it right so because that's what he does like, like in the interviews i was listening to with him he said like the longest he likes to be in a trade is like is like two minutes but he's usually like trying to get in and out in seconds and that's really the only way you can do it I was gonna say his chart looks like he's like, it's like he doesn't because like for me when I do a trade I'm predetermining entries and exits right and yeah. I'll adjust as the as the price slowly creeps there but it looks like he's just doing it on the fly like oh do I oh too short you know like yeah. he's just going yeah that's, that's exactly what he's doing <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, that's that's scalping trading. A lot of guys like a lot of guys like to do that, right? I mean, if you're if you're really good at it, and you can, you know, you just catch those little moves all day, you know, like five cents, ten cents here, just all day long. I mean, it, you know, you do that enough times, it adds up to you know a couple bucks a share, right, over the course of a day. So do you? So if you're playing at that time frame, are you even looking at technicals, or what is it all instinctive? I'm not. I, I'm not sure because I'm not a scalp trader. But um, like just from the guys that I've that I've uh, listened to in interviews and the guys that I know that do it, um, they're still they're still kind of looking at levels. Like um, like I, I mentioned to you the other day when we were looking at Bitcoin to to keep an eye on the three minute chart because I find that that's like to me. I, I used to use I used the one minute for years and years, and um, it's like. I didn't realize it until I started, you know, listening to other traders and stuff. And a lot of guys use the three minute chart. So I, you know, I kind of, it took a little bit of getting used to, obviously I was kind of running the, the one in the three minute side by side, just so I could kind of get a feel of where I was in the trades. But um, the three minute chart really gives you like much clearer data. Like if you, if you use the five minute chart, I find it's not enough information. The one minute chart is, is too choppy to really get clean information. There's a lot of false moves on it that can kind of bag you. But um, the three minute chart from what I've seen is like really, really clear. Like, you know, you can see like for my parabolic shorts and stuff like that, like I can see, you know, I can see the death candles where it just gets absolutely stuffed and you get like a big monster wick or, you know, the big fat red candles. Whereas if you look at it in the one minute, it might be like, you know, a little red candle with a wick and then a green candle and then a big red candle, which kind of looks choppy. But if you look at the three minute, it's like clear as day that like, you know, that's that's game over for the stock kind of thing. And um same with uh, like I've, I've kind of been looking at like dip buys and stuff a little bit. I haven't traded any of them yet because I haven't had luck in the past. But I've noticed on the on the three minute chart, it seems like, you know, a lot of the times when you get like a really big sell off, like if you get, you know, five, six, seven, three minute red candles in a row, then the first time you get a good three minute green candle, you'll get a bounce like all the way back up to the top. Like if you actually look back at the Tesla chart from when it, when it just dipped down there to 600 or whatever it was, if you put that on the three minute, you'll see what I mean. Like you get that first candle and then that's where a lot of the guys will enter because they see that three minute bar that's solid green. And then they know that that's like, now it's bouncing. Whereas if you look at in the one minute, you know, you got little bars and little mini bounces all the way down. It looks kind of messy. All right. So let's find this thing. Yeah, so 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 it looks like it gapped down on on Tuesday or yeah. today. Gapped down and then just that huge bounce. Yeah. So you get like those solid red candles, and then as soon as you get a green candle, it's it's it bounces up, right? So I don't so know. I, guess, I don't know if that's like a consistent thing because like that's not a that's not a play that I do, but I mean that's just that's just something that I've noticed. And like same with. Um, I guess it's kind of similar, like, you know, you and I were talking about Bitcoin the other day when you do your uh, your wedge plays and stuff like that. Like you'll you'll see you'll see big wicks because you play it on the one hour chart. You see big wicks that go outside the wedge. But that's not when you're entering. You're waiting for that one hour bar. As soon as the one hour bar closes outside your hourly, that's when you're it's, it's, um, yeah, yeah. it's your, your, it, it just gives you like that little bit of extra information. It's really, really helped me a lot on the short side of things because it makes those, you know, like those makes those big rejection moves really clear to see on the on the three minute. Anytime you look at the one minute, it's it's really, really choppy. And like I know a lot of guys still like the one minute, but uh, I've been using the three minute now for I think I started using it maybe like not even that long ago, like six or seven weeks ago. And um, kind of had the one minute open beside it for like maybe two weeks. And then I was kind of like, you know what, this is like I'm not even looking at this thing anymore. And it just like, 
my trades are still the same, but like my level of confidence in the trades, like I find, I just find myself a lot more relaxed because everything is just visually a lot more apparent on the three minute chart for me. So all I really use is a three minute and a line chart. That's all I look at. Cause I use, a, I use a line chart to get my, get my resistance levels. And then I use a three minute chart just to see the price action. Yeah. And you don't stay in a trade very long, right? Like 30 minutes. Yeah. Like my longest trade is maybe 30 minutes. Usually like, I don't know, five to 10 roughly. <laughs> That's a pretty good setup. Like a part of me wants to do that. Cause it's like, cause I, I, I'm so envious of the fact that you can do your research and then you're in and out of a play in 10 minutes, you get that adrenaline rush. It's like, ah, I made money. It's like, you know, you, you know, you're back to life, right? I'm done. Like I'm, you, I'm, usually, <laughs> I'm, I'm usually done by like 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm very envious of that. But like just for the last two weeks, I tried playing slower and slower, smaller and smaller time frames. Like I, I used to do like, I used to do like the daily and the hourly and I would never look into anything lower than like the 30 minute chart. Right. And then recently I made a, I made a box in my trading view where it's like, I get the one minute, three, 15 and one hour. And I'm just trying to play like shorter moves and I've never like lost so much in my life. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's, different. Like, I, I just, it's a different learning curve. Yeah. I get faked out so much and then I respond to what I'm seeing and it's always the wrong response. And then when I zoom out to like, like a one hour, four hour, like a 12 hour, I'm like, son of a bitch, I was right. It's like, for some reason, the, the shorter the time frames I get into, the more mixed up I get, the more mixed signals I get, false signals. Right. But like when I zoom back out, I'm like, shit, I was always right with the with the move. So, yeah, see, I, I would almost I would almost think that like because you're, you're talking about like Bitcoin mostly, right? For those kind of things. See, like I would almost think because like, you know, like the plays that I'm doing, like, you know, I'm, I'm 930 to 1030 and I'm done. Right. So like if I'm looking at that kind of stuff, that's that's when the market's opening and you're getting like that. You're getting all the volume. Everybody's watching it. Like that's when that's when all eyes are on the play. Right. So. I think that's why the shorter time frames and that actually work and make sense because you know there's a lot of guys like me who only trade for you know half an hour and they're done for the whole day right so if that's the way that most of the people are playing they're they're looking at that one minute chart they're looking at that three minute chart and that's dictating their moves whereas like something like bitcoin for example i mean it, it trades 24 7 so th unless you're getting you know like i've looked at the three minute chart like when they, when it has those like big giant spikes and i see patterns but outside of that, I don't, I don't like personally notice any patterns that I recognize really on the three minute chart that are, that are nice and clear cut, because I think, I think those shorter time frames you do need that huge surge of volume to really make them really make them justified. Right. Cause that like, you know, if you're looking at the one hour chart on Bitcoin, then it's just, you know, that's, those might be the candles that over that one hour, you know, that gives you the kind of volume that you'd see in a three minute candle at, you know, nine 30 in the morning on the, on a stock. You know what that's a really really good point because now that the way you're describing it, it's like if you're playing one of these low float stocks and early morning there's got to be a very specific group of people that play that in a very specific way so it's yeah. like more like more predictable where it's like if you do bitcoin you have investors playing with swing traders playing with scalpers and day traders and suddenly like everybody's just kind of mixed in there yeah maybe that's why i'm getting like mixed signals right because like i mean the stuff you know the stuff that i'm looking at is only people that are looking at those you know one minute three minute five minute candles like there's there's probably like there's not anybody that's trading between you know well i mean i shouldn't say not anybody but i, I can't imagine there's too many people trading between 9 30 and 10 30 that are even using 15 minute candles right because like so there, there'd be so much that happens you wouldn't see anything so so i have a question then in 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 the scenario that you're playing 
who are you playing against? Like, are other are you are traders playing against each other, or are you guys kind of like collaborating, like a bunch of poker players at a table, like trying to take out the fish? Like in this scenario, <laughs> like who's the fish, right? I, honestly, I think it's more so just experienced guys taking money from guys that don't know what they're doing. Like because like the whole the whole idea behind behind small caps and stuff like that that you know like it's kind of like the rule of like you know the, the gospel for lack of a better term is is the fact that like you know like i don't i don't want to try and outsmart you know warren buffett by trying to beat him trading amazon or something like you know he, he's smarter than me so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try and do that like i want to i want to be in the small stuff where you know there's all these uneducated people who get really excited they see this thing that's moved 50 percent, and they think they're gonna make you know a million dollars overnight and like those are the guys that i want to play against because you know it's like at poker like you want to play against the guys that don't know what they're doing right you don't want to play against the best guy in the world because he's going to take all your money but like if you sit at a table for 20 minutes with a bunch of guys that have never played before you're going to take all their money and it's going to take you a lifetime to get a dollar out of the guy the one guy who's been doing it forever right so that's that's kind of the general like mentality behind playing the smaller cap stocks is you're you know, the people you're fighting against are generally not very educated. Now, so why do you think they play the small caps? Is it because of the percentage moves or because the stocks are cheap and they feel like they can get more size or something? I would say both. I mean, like when like that was what that was what drew me into the markets originally to begin with is I, you know, I, I saw stuff and I'm like, oh, this stocks, you know, it's two bucks. And it went from two bucks to five bucks in a day. Like, oh, my God, I could put, you know, two thousand dollars in there and I could make, you know, a week and a half's pay like in a day that's incredible so you know i'm looking at it now and then i'm just looking for the next one so i see something that's you know it's it's gone up 30 percent one day and then the next morning i'm getting ready to buy it because i'm like oh like the last time i saw this it's going to the moon right and i think even in our first podcast i told you like you know everything i learned i just did by trial and error because i didn't like basically until we started doing this podcast i didn't really know anybody else that traded <laughs> so like what i used to do is like i wouldn't even have the charts i would just look at I would just scroll through news articles and be like, oh, that looks like it's pretty good news. And then I'd look at the stock, just all I would see is the bid and the ask, and it would say it's up 40% in the morning. And I'd be like, cool. And then I'd sit there, as soon as the stock would open, I would just buy like 500 shares. And then I would look at it for like 15, 20 seconds, and it would just, you know, it'd jump up a whole bunch. And then I'd just sell it right away and, you know, make like 50 bucks or something. Like that was how I traded for like, honestly, probably like two or three months. I didn't even look at a chart. Because I didn't know, I didn't know there was charts that were real time. I, I had zero knowledge. But that's what I mean. Like, the, 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 like that's those are a lot of the people that are doing this stuff, right? So if you know what you're looking for, it's it's very easy to, you know, it sounds it sounds kind of mean, but I mean, it's really <laughs> easy to take their money. <laughs> well, it's like poker. Everyone's in the same game. It's all fair game. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like I <laughs> my four years and thousands of tens of thousands of dollars to learn how to get here. So. Yeah, we, we we've all given we've all given stacks back to the market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> you know what? That helped me clear things up about how I'm playing Bitcoin then, because like I'm obviously not playing against fish; it's too big. But I guess mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do is get behind momentum now, right? If yeah. it looks like it's in a bull run, then I'm just going to get behind that and just take a ride. Right. Yeah, I think that's probably a big big part of it though is just that time frame because you're. Like, like I said, I mean, when I was looking at it, you know, like when Elon bought all those shares and it spiked way up, like in that move, I was looking at the three minute chart and I was seeing a lot of patterns that I recognize like very clearly, like really, really good clear cut long patterns that I'll see on, 
you know, these 20 million float stocks that I play like clear as day. But if I scroll way back to like any kind of consolidation phase, I don't see anything like even in like the 15 minute charts, like I personally still don't really see anything that makes sense to me anyways, from, from what I know. But when I look at the, when I look at the one hour, that's when stuff starts to become a little bit more clear, like the one hour, even the one day chart, that's when stuff kind of becomes a little bit more clear to what I know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think that's why I've, I've pretty much decided as we've been talking about this, that I'm going to just avoid the shorter time frames. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to the longer, much longer swing trades. Well, that's what you're good at too. I mean, you just, you know, you just size in bigger, right? Like if you're, there's no point in, in trying to, you know, make 50 bucks, a hundred bucks here and there, pulling your hair out, trying to trade the five minute chart when, you know, you get really good at the one hour chart, you just double your size and make a thousand bucks instead of trying to do all these stupid little ones that are just frustrating you and killing your confidence. Yeah. Cause now that I'm thinking back the period where I did the best, I was doing like maybe three trades a week, one to three a week. Right. So I'd be watching the daily for something that I recognize. And then once I recognize it's forming, then I start doing drawing all my lines and the fibs and looking for an entry if it's a short or a long. And then yeah. I'll go into the hourly and start doing and playing those. And I'll just hold it till like it gets near my exit and I'll just decide, you know, is this gonna keep going or whatever? But I might I might go back to that. I think I got lost looking at the shorter time frames. Yeah, and it's probably super low stress to trade it like that, like you know. You just put your money in, you're, you know you're going to win most of the time and, you know, it's easy. That's, that's the biggest thing is you don't want to be stressed. <laughs> that's why I don't yeah. really play a couple of really specific setups because they, you know, I can, I can put my money into a stock that's going to put me down 300 bucks in five seconds if I'm not careful, but it doesn't stress me out because I've seen it, you know, a thousand times over and it always does the same thing. So what was your biggest loss recently? Recently, I haven't really had any biggest losses. I've only had, <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't. Like, I haven't even traded the past, like, three days because, like I said, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, the markets are kind of turning right now, and a lot of my plays are just falling short of where my entries are. So I'm not, like, I'm not chasing stuff down. I'm not breaking my rules. I, you know, I don't need to make money every single day. So I've just been kind of sitting on my hands and watching, and I'm, I made a new folder on my computer, and I titled it, like, heavy market days or something like that and i'm saving all the patterns in that folder so i can kind of keep an eye on them and get a better handle on what levels are going to and then once i kind of feel like i'm good with that that's when i'll start going back into the going back into those plays but like you know it's, it's never a rush like you know you guys everyone thinks they got to make you know if i don't make 500 dollars every single day like it's the end of the world i mean you, you don't like i know traders that trade 60 times a year and they're, they're on the computer every single morning and you know three out of the four days of the week or three out of the five days of the week, sorry, they don't see a trade and, you know, maybe one or two days a week, they'll see their setup and then they'll just hammer it with absolute massive size because that's the only play that they know. And they're really, really good at it. And outside of that, they still set up their watch list and come to the market every day and look and they don't see anything. They say, all right, you know, see you later guys, Nine thirty. I don't see anything. I'll be back tomorrow. Like it's, it's stress-free, man. That's what it should be. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, I gotta go back to that stress-free thing because I think we're hopefully gonna be out of this lockdown in a few months, like completely out, out of it. Yeah. So I need to get back to the world and stuff. I, I need to be able to set it up so like I can just walk away. Yeah, well, that's kind of why I'm looking forward to like, you know, like you've been kind of giving me some, some tips on trading the hourly and stuff like that. I'm kind of looking forward to getting into that. And like Sam, you know, our producer for this, I know he was talking to me earlier and you know, he was he was asking me like just how to trade with contracts and stuff like that. And he was asking me how much I'm I'm trading right now on Bitcoin. And I, 
So I'm trading, you know, 10 contracts, which is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm risking about $5 and I'm aiming to make maybe five or $10 on these trades. And so I'm probably going to do that for a couple of months, to be honest, because I don't know how to trade Bitcoin and I'm not going to pretend like I do. So I'm starting risking five bucks and trying to make 10 bucks. Like that's, that's how you learn. Just because I know how to do one thing doesn't mean like I might be terrible at Bitcoin. I might never get it and that's fine. So, <laughs> but I don't want to lose a whole bunch of money trying to just jump into something that I don't know how to do. Yeah. Bitcoin is, um, it's some, it's so weird. It's like, it's obviously a really big asset class, right? I think it does something like 24 to 50 billion volume a day in the spot markets. Hmm. But at the same time, it also trades like at a penny stock because in, on the turn of a dime, if a piece of news comes out, it could go, it could just blow up either in either direction. It's like the craziest thing to play with. Yeah, no, it's cool. I'm looking forward to it. It's cool. That's like the 24 hour markets too. And like, like looking at those hourly setups that you were showing me, it's like, it looks like they form over, you know, like half a day or almost a full day. And then the trade, you know, it usually takes again, like another half day or full day to kind of play out. So it's, it's one of those things where like I'm looking forward to it because it's, you know, I can, I can just glance at the chart every five or six hours. And if I see something that looks like it's forming, then I'll kind of keep half an eye on it. And, and if I see a trade, I can just, you know, throw some money into it, set my stop, set my target and leave it. I don't have to look at it for another five or six hours. Like it's, you know, that's, you know, that, that'll be my, my intro into, into more swing trading, I guess. It's <laughs> you. We're, we're trying to stretch you out so that you can eventually get into investing, just holding for long periods of time. Eventually, I'm terrible at that right now. <laughs> right, right now, your your average holding time is ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, if I'm lucky, actually, I've been in that. I've been in that one marijuana stock for like, <laughs> like back in like December. But I've been I've been like trading it. Like I've been in and out of it. Like probably at least once a week, just like trading highs and lows because I can't help myself. <laughs> I was gonna say, wasn't that supposed to be an investment? Kind of, but <laughs> I'm still trading around the core like number of shares. I've just been like, you know, buying more, selling into the rips, buying the dips kind of thing as it goes along. So, yeah, I was, um, I got a message, like a bunch of messages this week about people because like the markets are down recently, ever, right? And a lot of guys are like, obviously, these guys don't really trade or anything like that, but a lot of them are confused as to what to do. So, like, one guy messaged me, he's like, um, uh, Tesla like dropped from like, like the high $900 to like 700 something. That's when he messaged me. He's like, dude, should I sell now? I'm like, why would you sell? Are you an investor or like traders? Like y'all I'm investing. Like, why would you sell now then? Right. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, if I sell now, I could buy it back at like 600. I'm like, what if it doesn't go back to 600? Like you don't know, you don't know. Right. Yeah. You know, right. You know, so it's like, if you're investing, like today's price should not matter whatsoever. The main question is, where do you think the price is going to be five years from now? Where do you think the price is going to be 10 years from now? And if you actually do some research and fundamentals and you say, yeah, yeah, it could re reasonably reach that price. Then what do you care if it's 600, 800, 900 today? Yeah, I think a lot of people just get scared, right? Like, you know, you see it's, it's that paper profits too, right? Like, you know, <laughs> you see, like the more money you got into the more you, know, you might be in something and it says you're up, you know, $50,000 green. And then all of a sudden it drops $200 a share. And now you're only up $30,000 and, it, you know, like. You haven't actually earned anything because it's all paper profits, but like it still hurts. I mean, you know, you, in a perfect world, that number just keeps ticking up perfectly in a linear line, right? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, like, like you just nailed it on the head, right? Is it, you know, are you an investor or a trader? If you're an investor, then like don't even worry about it. Like a lot of the, you know, a lot of the guys that I know that are only investors, like most of them even only look at their portfolio once a month. Like they just get a printout once a month and look at it and say, oh, did good this month or 
bad that like they don't even look at they don't even look at like the week to week price action, let alone the intraday. Because they don't like yeah. they don't care, right? It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I think people like get caught up in like what what not, not only like how how much money they made, but like what can I do with this money? Like if it hits this point, like I think I think people start imagining, right? If it hits this level, maybe I'll sell some, I'll do something with this money. Like they start just running away with it, right? Yeah, but that's not the idea, right? Like that's not how you want to think about it. Like it's that's. That's why I always tell, you know, like a lot of, you know, like some of my friends that are kind of new to it and they're, they're new to like trading and investing and stuff like that. And like, oh, you know, like, should I put some, you know, I got like a thousand bucks sitting aside. Like, should I, should I put some money in Bitcoin or should I put some money in Tesla? And I'm like, I'm like, honestly, like you should probably just save your money if you only have a thousand dollars to spare. Like, you, you know, you kind of want to like, it's, it's gotta be something that you got, you're going to be able to put away and not touch it for 10 years. Like kind of thing, if that's your plan, right? Like, you know, you don't want to put it in there now. And then a year from now, it's dropped 10, 15%. And then, you know, you don't have enough in your actual bank savings account and something happens, you got to buy a new air conditioner or whatever. And now you got to sell that thing for a huge loss. Like it, it's got to be, it's got to be money that you're, you've thought about and you're, you know, I, I'm not an investor, but you know, I'm smart enough to, to know that, but it's got to be money that you're like, you're ready to say, okay, like, I'm going to basically bury this in the backyard and I'm not going to touch it for the next decade. That's, that's, that's what this money is. It's not like, Oh, it's gone up. Let's sell it and take a vacation. Like, you know, you got to think that's my retirement fund. Yeah. I think, I think people should look at investing as more like almost like a savings account where you're going to get some interest at the cost of some possible risk. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas like, it's not like people might look at it as some kind of money generating income kind of thing where it's where it should really be looked at as like a savings account where this is money you plan to save you, you don't have a need for it you're going to just leave it there but you want some interest or some yield out of it so then you look at some growth stocks or, or your dividend stocks and then that that's that's the end of that right it's like i mean you know like you do this all the time as an investor is you know when you're in something that long term like that anytime you see a big dip you're looking to buy more like that's 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 an opportunity right like it's you know it's not not a panic moment i mean think about you know march of 2020 when they had that that huge drop like you know just think about the s p for example like if you're just in an index i mean if you've been holding that index since you know 2010 and it's been 10 years and all of a sudden you get this big you know whatever it was 100 and some odd dollar drop and you got an extra 20 grand kicking around that you're you know you're kind of planning on putting in stocks and just buy a whole bunch more i mean that's a huge huge opportunity to make a ton of investment money really fast yeah and i've been thinking about how to do my portfolio of like going forward because of because of 2020 that, that dip and i was in like 63 percent cash with at the bottom of that dip so then i captured like a lot of that right so my, my portfolio grew pretty 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 well but i think i start to realize at a certain size i, I really sometime around towards the end of last summer my mentality of my portfolio flipped like originally like because I, I went all in on tesla like 2016 2017 like that's right and that's like like that's the complete opposite of diversification, which is what people say as an investment you should do, right? Like I just went gun ho in one stock. And then, but what I realized, but it was because like my portfolio wasn't as big as I, I wanted it to be. And I, and I knew Tesla, for me, I knew Tesla was a winner. So I like, let's go all in on this and see what happens, hold it for 10 years. Right. But last summer, my, my mind flipped, my mentality flipped where it's like at this level, I, it's not about gaining returns anymore. It's more, the important thing is preserving capital. Like mm -hmm. I've already gained this much. The idea is that now I have to preserve what I've got. Right. right? And I kind of woke up a few months ago. I looked at my portfolio. I think I had four things in my RSP. 
and Tesla was 75% of the entire portfolio. And I was like, holy shit. Now I understand. <laughs> now I understand. Like when, when, when hedge fund managers are saying I'm over, you know, I'm overweight the stock or it's, you know, I understand what that means now. Cause it's like, yeah, your portfolio is of a certain size and it's looking like it's doing well. But if you, you know, look underneath and it's like one stock is like 75%. If that thing takes, you are done. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing, right? And obviously, you know, the, the more money you have, the easier it is to divert, you know, diversify between a few things, right? Like if you only got, you know, 20 grand kicking around, I mean, you know, if Tesla is going to be that thing that you're super confident in is going to go up, you know, a couple hundred percent over the next few years, then, you know, sure, throw all your money in there. But when you start, you know, you start having bigger and bigger and bigger sums of money to put around, that's when it, you know, it, it's, it's really just a safety thing. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, who knows, like, I, you know, I can't think of any catastrophic scenario off the top of my head, but like, you know, the one thing I always kind of reference is like, you know, the world trade centers. I mean, like, you know, catastrophic stuff does happen and that affects the markets, right? Like, a, you know, a global pandemic, like, you know, like who knows what's going to happen. Right. So that that's why it's always good to be like, you know, you have a little bit in tech, you have a little bit in industrials, you have a little bit in consumer, you know, like whatever. It's just, you know, the more spread out you are, like, then you can have a stock that's, you know, you can have one, one section of your portfolio that's down 20%, but overall, you know, the two thirds of the other half of your portfolio is up, you know, 12 or 15%. And then, you know, overall you're okay. Right. So, and then eventually whatever's going on in the economy is probably going to, you know, dwindle away. And then this other stock that's been way down is going to come back up and then you're going to be back in the green. Right. But there's always, you know, especially for, especially if you're, if you're, you know, you are planning on using it as like a retirement fund. It's just, it's just a, like, it's just an insurance policy really is just to, to diversify and, you know, not all your eggs in one basket. It's no, you know, no different than business. I mean, if you're, you know, let's say you're a, you know, a factory and you have 50 employees and, you know, you're, I don't know, you're producing pens or something like that. And, you know, big pens, like that's your only customer. Your factory runs 24 seven making big pens and you have 50 employees. And then all of a sudden you lose that contract. You know, that's your game over. Your whole company goes underwater. You got to sell, you got to fire everybody. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's no different in business, like trading stocks and investing and day trading and all that stuff is, is the exact same thing as a business. It's just individual. Yeah. And I think like a really, what I realized, like, since we're trying to like give advice to people that are just getting in or from my end, at least for investing, like, cause a lot of people, like, I think they kind of go into the mentality of I want to trade because it has this aura where it can make more money faster, whereas investing is a little bit slower. And mm -hmm. I, and I think at some level that's true, but like from my own personal experience, I can't recommend this to anybody. My personal experience is like, because I get it. I started with very little originally. Right. So it's like if I started and I put my money into a blue chip stock or a dividend stock, now it's been 10 years. I might've done a two X. Right. And that's like Microsoft. Microsoft did a 2x in the last 10 years. Right. Great company, profitable, but not very. So like if I only had five thousand dollars 10 years later, I got ten thousand yeah. dollars adjusted for inflation. That might be, you know, break even. Right. Right. <laughs> so like I think what works for me and I think could work for other people who start off with very little is just roll up your sleeves and do your homework. Find that growth stock. Like growth stocks are very easy to identify, right? Find any industry that's new, that's growing, that's nascent, which means there's almost unlimited cap size for the for the whole industry to expand, right? right. So like right now it's like renewables, electric vehicles, genomics, uh, 3D printing, things like that. Mm -hmm. Find 
identify who the winners might be in that space. And like in my in my case, I didn't go all in, but because I had Apple, but I did go, I think twenty percent into Tesla for a few years, just because this was like twenty twenty. They just announced the Model S. Okay. So I knew this company was making progress, but it was still not worth the total risk. So I put most of my money in Apple, a little bit in Tesla, about twenty percent in Tesla, and I just watched. And by the time twenty sixteen hit, uh, and I'd known and I and I gathered like four years of information on this company, I'm like they are trending very well. Right. Mm-hmm. Despite all the the naysayers online, like if you look at just the straight facts, they're trending very well. Right. So then I went all in on that, and that very quickly, like, you know, and it's and you can look at the chart of like any of those stocks right now, anything that's in EVs, that's in uh, 3D printing, genomics, those stocks do move quite a bit. Like they'll do like 100% in a year, 400%. Like every new breakthrough, every new piece of progress, like solid progress, fundamental progress that they've made, these things go up like 100%. Right. Right. I think that would be like the optimal way to start is to get behind one of these guys, five extra portfolio, and then diversify for safety. Right. Right. It's also like it's also a lot of research too, because like you know I'm I'm thinking of it just as you know as far as like doing stuff like that and trading and things like that. You know, the reality is like if you are going to get to a level where you can do this and make a lot of money by yourself, I think you do have to have like an absolute passion for it, right? Like I mean. You know, you and I message each other all the time. It's like 11 o'clock at night. I'm I'm going to bed and something just pops into my head about some pattern I saw a week ago and I'll text you about it kind of thing. Like it's, you know, it's it's literally like both of us are always thinking about it constantly. So for, for people that aren't really interested in learning any of that, you know, for like even for me, I mean, like, you know, I have no interest personally in sitting there and reading through company, you know, protocols and management and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, quite frankly, it bores the hell out of me. <laughs> so that's why that's why I haven't really gotten into investing. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you love, right? Like, I just like, I like statistics. I like math. I like patterns. That's what, you know, that's what I was really good at all through school. Like, that's what, you know, entertains me and stuff. So that's, that's where I put my focus, right? Um, but uh, so there's no reason that you can't become some level of trade. I mean, you know, there's a million different ways to make money in the market. So you can you can absolutely become some level of trader um, just following, you know, what you enjoy. But I think the bottom line is you have to, you you really do have to enjoy the markets and researching stocks and companies and, you know, economics and how all this stuff works. If you're, if you are going to be able to do it yourself, because like, again, you know, if you're thinking, you know, okay, I got 50,000 bucks or 20,000 bucks or whatever it is laying around, there's nothing wrong with, you know, just putting that into Amazon or, you know, splitting it between Apple and Microsoft and Amazon and, you know, you get your whatever, you know, five, six, seven percent or whatever it's going to be per year. Um, you know, that that's still, in my opinion, is better than a bank account because you're never going to get that kind of growth in, in, in any kind of bank or interest account. Like it's just not going to happen. So if you're not that interested, I mean, there's you can just pick the, you know, the main stocks that everybody knows that everybody knows are good and safe and you're going to get that steady growth, get some dividends, whatever. I mean, that's fine. Or you can, you know, you can give your money to a fund manager and they can handle your stocks or whatever for you. But like, you know, again, the bottom line really is it's, it's just, it's, it's something that I think everybody's got to be in because it's the only, the only way to really make your money, make money is I think the stock market and real estate (laughs) are like, you know, if you're going to just put your money somewhere, those are the two places that it's going to turn into more money quicker than anywhere else. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think, and I'm just reading up more about it recently because I bought a few myself. But I think ETFs are an underrated. Um, I don't I don't want to say asset class, but like an like an investment option. Because like 
because I know uh, esports is going to be big. It's it's already big and it's going to continue to grow, right? But I'm so sick and tired of researching stuff, new stuff that I'm like, I don't want to research in esports, but I、right. want to be a part of it. So then I found an ETF that has a basket of like、uh, esports companies,、uh, software like gaming companies and stuff, and I just And I looked at their track record; it's fantastic. So I'm just going to dump my money. It's almost like putting your money in an actively managed hedge fund, but n- way less fees. It's like a two percent management fee, like one、yeah. percent. Right. So, like, I think, I think, I think, I could definitely recommend that as an option. I don't, I don't care about. I don't, I don't want to do research in it.、Just、park my money there. Yeah, just to, you know, it's a sector that you're interested in, and you, you know, you have、yeah. an idea that it's going to grow, but you don't really want to spend, you know, the hours digging through everything trying to find that perfect play. Because, I mean, I. I It's fun, like the. I don't, I don't know what the best way to put this is, but in like you know you could disagree with me, but in my experience, I think the for something that you're going to find personally, the longer that you're going to be in the stock, the longer it's going to take you to confirm your theory that you should be in that stock, right? So like I'm not talking about all the background, like the train, you know, like all the you know the years that you and I have spent, you know, testing our theories and the learning curve and all that kind of stuff, but like you know for me for example like. You know, I can spend an hour a night, and I can have four or five stocks ready to go that I know I want to trade because it's going to take me five minutes to do the trade. Whereas for you to, you know, be like, okay, I want to put my money in this for ten years. You know, that's probably going to take a little bit more than an hour for you to confirm your theory and be confident enough to make that trade, right? So it's there's that level of it as well. As the longer that you're going to be in something, is going to take you a lot longer to research it. Yeah, and I also have to like at least update myself. On the fundamentals of the stock, like at least every quarter. So, like I'm, I'm an ex-bank. Ex-bank is probably my most high-risk holding right now.、Um, and like they're they're a new EV company, so they're a growth stock. So then I have to at least check up on them every few weeks to see how they're progressing. Like because they're building up factories, I want to know there's no delays. I want to know they don't have any funding issues, stuff like that. So yeah, I do have to. But but it's a lot less. It's a lot less work though if you do the original homework. Just kind of like you just the new the new stuff you're looking at just kind of confirms. Or denies your old theory. If it's denying, then you got to think about an exit. Right. Yeah. Which is you know to the to the same token. That's very similar to what I do. You know, I make my I make my plan the day before or the night before or whatever, and then you know I'll look at it in the morning, and you know, out of my five stocks, maybe only one is actually you know confirm my theory of what it's doing, and then I just delete all the other four. Don't even worry about them. Right. So it's it's you know it's 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 a process you got to go through, and then you got to narrow it down and. It's really about just picking the best ones. Like a lot of people always think, you know, I got to be in, I got to be in everything. I got to be in this. Like, oh, this is moving. Let's jump in. That's moving. Let's jump in. Like, you know, that's 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 the way to lose money in the markets. So <laughs> the way to make money is to to take your time, relax, figure out exactly what you want to see happen. If you don't see exactly to a T that thing happening, then I like I wouldn't take the trade personally. I mean, if I if I see something that's a little bit weird. I mean, I don't want to lose money. I'm just going to say, you know what? That's that's a little off. I don't like that. If it does what I thought it was going to do, whatever. But that's that's not what I'm looking for. So just forget it, right? And it's, you know, I, w- I would assume it's the same thing for for investing. You might, you know, you you might be looking at twenty, thirty different things in a company, and out of those thirty different things that you need to see to meet your criteria, you know, maybe maybe one of them's kind of okay, and maybe one more of them isn't really that great, and that that might be enough for you to say, you know what, like. Fuck! I did all this research. I took spent all this time, but like, you know what? At the end of you know, I've been looking at this thing for two weeks, and I just saw this, and that just you know that just destroys my whole theory. So I, I but I can't just take the trade now and hope for the best because that's not my theory. Yeah. So I actually got a story about that.、It、happened really recently. I、uh, I went down this rabbit hole like of like three. 
about two and a half, three full days of research and I went like full circle. So I'll start off by saying like, I was, I've never been interested in NVIDIA as a graphics card company. Like I build computers and this and that. I'm like, yeah, it's graphic cards, whatever. I'm not, it's not sexy, right? I don't know if it's a growth industry. So I've always kind of ignored them. And then one day I was watching this segment on this company called Mobileye. So Tesla used to be partners with them and they do, um, they, they, they make self-driving software and hardware to that you plug and play into a car to give it self-driving capabilities. And they're like, they, they're claiming to be one of the leaders in the industry. So I was like, wow, maybe I should look into these guys. Turns out Intel bought them like three years ago. So I'm like, oh shit, maybe I should buy Intel. Mm. So then I started going down this line of just research and I realized like, and, it, and I started to realize that this company might be on the, on the way out because last year they had five major automakers kind of uh, testing their, their, their equipment. This year they haven't announced any automaker uh, testing their equipment. On mm. the flip side, Every automaker that says they're going to implement AI has mentioned another company. Some of them are NVIDIA, some of them are other companies, but Mobileye isn't even in the, in the, uh, in, in the conversation anymore, mm. right? And then I looked into NVIDIA because a couple of car companies um, uh, decided to get into them. And so I started, so my process is I started flipping through the last three quarters and the last three years of earnings calls and, and reports and things like that. And Nvidia is quite good. Like they'll give you, they'll give you a lot of detail into like where the tr where their market's trending and stuff like that. And I realized I didn't know anything about this company. They actually have like three revenue streams that I had no clue about. Like they trend. So like uh, Amazon, um, Amazon, Google, those guys they do cloud computing, right? So right. you can buy like computer. These guys are going to do cloud computing with uh, GPU. So if you need to rent graphics processor power, you can rent it from them instead of computer power. Hmm. So, and that's a growing industry for them. And then the more I looked into it, the more I realized these guys might be like the windows of self-driving. It's just plug and play hardware and software. They make the cards and you just plug it into a car. And I'm like, wow. So then, uh, so then, yeah, like, I, so that's like, that, that was like one of those things where it's like, I went into it with one idea and I came out with, with it with a whole different idea of which right. stock to invest in. But I did get into NVIDIA and it looks like my timing is right. I mean, I think they're going to report earnings like right now. Oh, shit. Maybe their stock went up. Yeah, let me see. Yeah, it went up. I thought I had the, the report before we did this podcast. <laughs> it went down about it went down about three, three and a bit. Oh, went back down. It was up after hours. <sighs> yeah, after hours. So they beat revenue by 61%, but they're down 4%. Like the market's definitely spooked. Yeah. Like they beat earnings by 61%. Earnings are the weirdest things. Like everybody just bought, every, like the stock always spikes into them. And then even if it's great news, it's better than everyone thought it was. Half the time it crashes. <laughs> Sales were up 61% year over year. And the market's like, nope, not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah what is that? Like, no, we, we want 200 or it's not good enough. It's like, what was the market expecting? Like, yeah. oh man, that's hilarious. I mean, but, I'll, but, buy, I'll buy some. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, for me, like this is somewhat disappointing, but it's also a buying opportunity because if the stock is going to continue going lower and it's confirmed that they're they're growing revenue, like this is fantastic news as an investor. I just want to put more money to these guys. Exactly. That's what it all comes down to, right? Because you're looking at, you know, you're looking at the 10 year play on this. So you see a big, you know, big dip like that. And it's like, OK, it's not panic. It's perfect. Buy more. <laughs> yeah. And I'm slowly trying to figure out I'm slowly trying to develop a way where my my investment portfolio i'm going to manage it almost like an active hedge fund manager where i'll have several core positions and i'll shave it off like so active managers the the most popular ones will like not let a stock hold more than five percent of their portfolio and every time let's say tesla overperforms 
and it and it becomes like seven percent of the portfolio they'll shave off the two percent hmm. and then if it dips they'll obviously buy back in okay. so i mean i won't do that but i will take that idea where it's like if i see a stock is overperforming i might take some profit look at look at look at some exits get some free cash flow and then yeah. either save that for like a pullback or just maybe keep an eye out on other opportunities but but I'm, I'm a thousand percent sure my days of being all in on either one stock or having all my capital in a stock is, is over. I think I'm going to keep at least 10 to 15 percent of my portfolio in cash from now on. And mm -hmm. I'm just kind of like because I realized like in the past few months, cash is opportunity. Like when you could see all the opportunities in the world, but if you don't have cash on the side, like it's really just useless. Yeah. And then it's just frustrating because then you want to sell something and. You know to get money to, to use it and then you can't sell something or you do and then you're kind of upset because now it's going higher and you're not making that extra money and yeah it's always, yeah. always want to have a little bit kicking around just in case yeah so like i think this is my counter argument to people that are saying like including myself where it's like you see a stock going up you're like should i sell shouldn't i sell and it's like maybe you should because next time you need the cash like if i want to buy into nvidia now but i never sold tesla on the way up i'd be like well tesla's down now so am i going to sell it at less value you know, yeah. so so now it's like a double negative, right? I have something yeah. for less value, and I'm so. I think yeah. it's, very, it's very important to have cash on the side now. Yeah, and like that's 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 kind of like you know, again, if you're you know if you're actively trading, kind of like we are, then you know you, you can start to recognize those moves. If you see one of those you know big big shoves up, then you know that it's going to come back down to some degree. I mean, you know, maybe you're only going to make you know two percent on that little piece, but regardless, you know, you sell off 10, 20 shares or whatever, and then buy it back 2% lower and then you've, you've just profited 2% in cash. Like, you know, why not? So, yeah, I, I may not even do that. Like I'll may I may sh shave off like the high performers and like, I might not even look back to buy it. I might just keep it on the side for like new opportunities. Hmm. Um, and if, and if like, and if Tesla pulls back like a 30%, like in the last few weeks it did, then, then I'll buy back into that. Right. I think so. So it's like even less, it's like even more long-term view, even more, like range of uh, price movements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you interested in getting into like any kind of like dividend things or anything like that? Or are you just purely like growth stocks? See, here's the thing. Like if I do the math, like let's say I find a dividend stock that pays 6% yield. Right. If I feel like the equity that I'm going to put into what can average better than that, then, then the math doesn't work. Right. But on the flip side of that, you know, you could be, if you're getting, you know, if you have enough money in a dividend stock, then you could be getting payments regularly that they could use to buy other stocks, right? Which could be bigger growth stocks. Because that's that's free cash, right? If you're, you know, if you're in Tesla or something like that, it's not paying you dividends, you know, you're you're making more paper money, but you can't use any of that to put into something else, right? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like I do have one buy order for uh, a utilities company. Yeah, because they're renewable. So that's like one of the industries I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, but but that's like the only one. And the thing is, like, they really don't move. Like, a 10% move for them in a year is, like, huge. Yeah, those um, usually just kind of go – like, a, most dividend stocks that are half decent, you're getting, like, a, you know, 5% yield, and it'll grow, like, you know, 2 or 3% per year kind of thing, right? Yeah, so, like, I'm, I'm, like I do have a few. I'm sure I want more to be on my radar, but, right. yeah, there's a lot of variables with that, too. Cause like, what if, what if the economy goes into um, – a downturn like obsession kind of market for like a year or two years then a lot of these companies might reduce or even cut their dividends yeah so i mean so it's, there's a lot to think about yeah 
Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So obviously another, you know, another way you can get more disposable income if you have the capital for it. Oh, actually, so, so actually, I, I, I cause I, I, I know why I got that thought because I got burned by Ford, Ford motor company. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I got burned last year, this exact time. Well, maybe about a month back. I saw that Ford had dipped from like 15 bucks to 10 bucks. Yeah. And, uh, and I had some free cash from selling Tesla on the way up to a thousand. So I looked into Ford. I'm like, oh, geez, these guys pay, pay a pretty good dividend. And I looked into the company. I'm like, this could be. So the second most type, profitable type of stock outside of a growth stock is a turnaround stock, a company that's doing poorly. And then now they're going to start cutting cutting costs and then kind of reshuffling their business model a little bit and fly back up. So you can kind of ride that for the next one or two years, right? Okay. So I identified Ford as like a turnaround stock. I'm like, this might be pretty good. So I got into it. And so I bought some shares. Thought, you know, worst case, I'll get a dividend. And then right when that happened, freaking COVID happened. They're like, yeah, no more dividends. <laughs> and the stock price tanked to 5%. Because <laughs> what I learned afterwards is like dividend stocks, companies that like dividend stocks like being held by like pension funds and like, like these yeah. slow moving funds are kind of designed not to lose money, just kind of, you know, not get, not be, be, um, be, um, be at risk to inflation right so but but the second you're not paying a dividend anymore you're like see ya <laughs> yeah 100 percent yeah, <laughs> yeah like those, that's you know anybody that's in like retirement or old age like that's you know it's all like probably 70 percent of their portfolios would be like dividend stocks and gic's because they're they don't pay you a whole heck of a lot but they're super super safe and you know you get your, your couple bucks every now and again and that's that's really all you need at that point right yeah, so so I think I got a little PTSD from that trade. Like like me with options. Yeah, I mean, so I got out of that by dollar cost averaging down to five bucks. I bought an equal amount of shares, average high price like seven fifty. Went back up to like eight bucks, and I'm like, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right, you I think we to wrap it up today. Yeah. Yeah. Not about an hour cool. or so. Cool. Sweet. Sounds good. All right, YouTubers, we're up for another episode of Jack the Trades. Thank you for watching. Thanks.